All right, well, you're already there, Matthew 1, 18 through 25. We're starting a new series today called Meeting Jesus in Matthew. So we just finished a sermon series called The Cornerstone Core, and in October we went to Welcome to Cornerstone. And in those series, uh, I introduced what is the vision, the mission, and the core values of Cornerstone. So if you're new for the first time or you missed a couple weeks, that's a great way to get to know Cornerstone is by going back and listening to those messages. But for today, we have the first episode, the pilot episode of a new sermon series, Meeting Jesus in Matthew. Uh, through the course of the spring up until Easter, I guess it's winter before spring, uh, we're going to be going through the Gospel of Matthew. Now, a man named Matthew actually did write this book. He was a, a tax collector and one of Jesus' disciples. Uh, and he wrote this book to an audience of Jews, of ultimately Jewish Christians, And I bet some of these Jewish people, as they were coming to put their faith in Jesus, uh, asked, you know, can I, as a Jewish person, put my faith in Jesus as the Messiah? Can I become a Christian? And the message in the Gospel of Matthew is that it doesn't matter if you're a religious person or a non-religious person. It doesn't matter uh, if you come from a certain faith background, whether you're, you've come from a Catholic background or a Jewish background or a Buddhist or a Muslim or maybe atheist or agnostic. The good news in Matthew is that anyone can come to know Jesus, that anyone can become his follower, that anyone can become a Christian as we turn from whatever we believed before and put our faith in Jesus. So this series is really going to introduce us to who Jesus is. It's going to tell us what he taught as we go through the Sermon on the Mount. Maybe of you have heard of that. And then finally we're going to end with what Jesus did right before Easter. So before we kind of begin who is Jesus, let me pray for us. Father God, would you bless this time? Would you bless the the delivery of your word, the preaching of your word, uh, would you open hearts and, and would, would your Holy Spirit speak? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, I'm, I'm pretty excited this weekend to start this new sermon series, Meeting in Jesus, Jesus and Matthew, but there's something else I'm also really excited for that's happening this weekend, and that is the launch of the new Star Wars movie. The Force Awakens. Now, if you have already seen this movie, I forbid you from talking to me after the service. I will excommunicate you if you, uh, if you tell me anything that's in the movie. I'm just kidding. But seriously, don't, don't talk to me. I, I really like Star Wars. And when I was growing up, uh, you know, I was like any uh, young boy. Like I made my own lightsaber out of a broom handle. It was very authentic. I had lightsaber battles. Uh, As I grew older, uh, very recently, I still tried to use the force every once in a while to get food out of the kitchen refrigerator, and sometimes it works when Monica gets up and gets me the food. (laughs) You can ask my small group if if they think I like Star Wars, because I bring it up like every single week. Now, the new series has some new stars. There are some old stars. There's some old friends and there's some new friends. And those old friends are like Carrie Fisher and Harrison Ford. 
Uh, but there are new stars, Oscar Isaac, John Boyega, uh, Adam Driver, and Daisy Ridley. And I'm excited to go see them in this new movie. Uh, but one of these stars had never been really in a feature film before, Daisy Ridley. She's, as far as I know, the main star of the movie. She went from being a complete unknown to a superstar in a very short time. When she, was, uh, when she heard about the opportunity to try out for Star Wars, she just had this feeling, I gotta go try out for this movie, and she did. And the first couple times didn't go so well until the final casting, and then it just clicked. She had a feeling that she should go, and that something significant could happen. And boy, did it. Now she has fame, she has fortune, she has a pretty cool career, Star Wars. And maybe you've come here tonight looking for a life-changing moment, something in you was like, maybe I should go. I don't know if a friend invited you or you found us online, but something said, I'm going to go check this church out. Maybe you need a life-changing moment, just like Daisy Ridley. You don't need the fame, you don't need the fortune, but you sure could use a life-changing moment, maybe in your, your school, your career your family life, or even your spirituality. Well, I want to tell you tonight about a life-changing moment that happened 2,000 years ago in a little town of Bethlehem that can change your life today. A long time after that. That something significant happened back then that can affect you in just a radical way as you go through your life in this century. See, Jesus was born uh, roughly 2,000 years ago. We don't think it was really on Christmas Day, but we celebrate it then. And when Jesus came, he came to change people's lives. In fact, Jesus came to change our lives. And that's really what we're talking about in our text tonight. Verses 18 and 19 say this. So I'm going to read back through the passage, and we're going to look at each little verse and kind of learn what God is sharing and teaching with us today. 18 and 19 say this. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So Jesus was already changing lives before he was, already, before he was born. He changed Mary and Joseph's life in a radical way. Now, I know whenever you're a parent, you have a, uh, your first child, that must be a, a pretty life-changing experience. Uh, but for them, it threatened to change their life when Jesus was coming, when she was pregnant, it threatened to change their life in a, in a bad way, in kind of a, a, a frustrating way. See, Mary and Joseph were not married yet, but they were engaged. And in Jewish culture, when you're engaged or you're betrothed, that's a pretty big commitment. Uh, when, when two people got engaged, the only way that you could break that engagement was through a formal legal process through divorce. Now, in our culture, we don't really understand that because if an engagement gets broken off, it's not a big deal, a lot of heartache, uh, you, maybe you're out of several thousand dollars, uh, but it's different than in that culture 
Like, there was an official divorce proceeding. The, the Bible actually says, refers to Joseph as her husband in verse 19, even though they weren't officially married yet. And so when Joseph discovers that Mary is pregnant, well, he knows it wasn't because I slept with Mary. Uh, she's not my wife yet. We haven't consummated the marriage. We haven't had our marriage night. And so he thinks, well, she must have committed adultery. Now, this is a pretty serious thing in that culture. Now, when we think about uh, someone having a baby outside of kind of marriage in this life, in in this society, it's not very much of a big deal in our culture uh, because, well, well, they just get married. But in that culture, Joseph would have been forced to kind of condone her adultery. In other words, if they had gotten marriage, it would have been like him publicly professing publicly saying, I am okay with the adultery. I, am, uh, I almost approve of it. And so he was someone who wanted to follow the law. He was someone who wanted to be a just man or a righteous man. And so he said, I can't do that, but I also don't want to publicly shame her. Because in that culture, also, they could stone someone for committing adultery. They could put them to death, which is a very significant thing. And so Joseph decided, you know what, I'm going to try to divorce her quietly. It's the, it's the best I can make out of this bad situation. See, when Jesus comes into our lives, he messes things up. He changes things for us. He messed it up for Mary and for Joseph. See, Mary uh, is challenged. Mary, in this moment, Andy referenced it earlier, the song of Mary. She had an angel come to her and tell her that she was going to be with child. This would be God's child conceived of the Holy Spirit. And she had a choice. She could either run away or try to finagle the situation, or she could trust God. And you know what was at stake for Mary? Her, Her reputation was at stake already, and her security if you were divorced in that culture, there wasn't much left for you. And Joseph's, uh, Joseph kind of has this black and white view of what is right, and that's about to be challenged and changed as God comes into the situation. See, Jesus came to change our lives. He doesn't like to leave us unchanged. Sometimes in this culture, we overestimate what can change our lives. I think you probably, after hearing my sermon introduction, think I believe Star Wars can change my life. I don't actually believe that. But we do, uh, we get that message like pounded into us every single day. Maybe some of you have seen the As Seen on TV products that promise to change your lives. Uh, There's the Woof Washer 360 that promises to transform the way you wash your dog. Instead of taking minutes, it'll take seconds. There is the waving flag, which is a small flag that sits on your desk and waves. And it promises to make you always feel patriotic. <laughs> there is one of my favorite, the face blanket, which, you know, if you, if you, <laughs> if you want to go camping or you just need to save on your heating bill, you can put that on your face at night. There's a hole in there and you will be snug. There is the LED rainbow shower head that can turn the most boring of bathing sessions into a party. There is the aqua rug for those of you that always wanted a carpet in your shower. 
These products promise to change our lives, but if you've ever tried one of them or gotten one of these silly things you didn't really need, you found out pretty quickly that it really didn't change your life. It didn't bring about any lasting results. Jesus is not a product. Jesus is not an as-seen-on-TV commercial. He promises true change. He promises lasting change to those that are willing to follow him. And you know what? It might be kind of painful at the start. It was painful for Joseph. It was painful for Mary. But sometimes the most painful of circumstances, when God brings them into our lives, can produce the most lasting change. Mary and Joseph really had to trust God's plans in this moment. You know, and and God sent Jesus to change their lives, but also to change our lives. 2,000 years later, Jesus has been changing millions and billions of people's life. But how did he come to change us? In what way did he want to produce uh, kind of fruit in our lives? Well, Jesus came to change our lives with grace. Verses 20 and 21 tell us this. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins." See, first, God sent Jesus to simply change us. And he he certainly changed Mary and Joseph's lives, but he wanted to change us with grace. Now, Joseph, in this story, you can tell, like, he did not want to divorce Mary. He didn't know what to do. It says, but after he had considered this. See, he thought about his situation long and hard, but he didn't know what to do. And so he made up his mind But then God changes his mind. It's funny how God does that. He comes to Joseph in a dream. An angel comes to him. Now, this is not kind of those weird dreams that you like to tell your friends or your spouse that you just had last night. This was a very vivid dream. This is where it was just undeniable that an angel had come and visited Joseph while he was sleeping to deliver a message from God. And the message he delivers to Joseph is, this child is not of some other man, Joseph. He says, there is a third alternative, a third option that you didn't consider. That Mary didn't commit adultery and that this child is actually conceived by the Holy Spirit. Verses 18 and 20 both point to, that, to, to Jesus being conceived of the Holy Spirit. Matthew, the author, really wants us to recognize that Jesus comes biologically, not just from Mary, but also from the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? So maybe some of you have heard of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They're all God, but they're each a different person with their own mind and will. And somehow in this kind of miracle moment of Christmas, the Holy Spirit came and conceived in Mary a child. It was a miracle. I don't know exactly how it works, but what it does do is provides a pathway forward for Joseph and for Mary that honors God, that they can get married, that that Joseph can adopt the child as his own. Now, the angel tells Joseph to name the child Jesus, 
Why is this important? It's important because in that culture, naming was like the, the father's job, and it was a formal recognition that the child belonged to him. That, and so in Joseph's circumstance and in, in, in his life, that would have meant, meant that Joseph was formally adopting Jesus as his own son. So there would be no, well, it's just, she, he's just Mary's son. No, he's, he's my son. And notice that the angel addresses Joseph as Joseph, son of David. So that's kind of an interesting uh, fact. Now, if you were to read through the first part of Matthew chapter 1, we didn't start in verse 1, but you would see a genealogy there. You would see uh, Joseph's family tree, that it, that it goes back to kind of the, the father of, of the Hebrew people, Abraham. But if you, if you looked in that family tree, you would also see another man, King David. Now, King David is the most famous of, is, of Israel's kings. He was considered a man after God's own heart. And God loved David so much that he said, One day I will send, uh, I, I, one day I will give you one of your descendants to sit on your throne, David, forever. And so if you look at the history of the Jewish people, all the people that follow King David, Kings come and kings go, but none of them ever stay forever. And so what this verse is saying, an angel is coming and saying, the king has finally come, the king that will sit upon God's throne forever, and he's your son, Joseph. I want you to formally adopt him so that we can legally recognize Jesus as a descendant of King David. I hope that makes sense, that David uh, is now becoming legally Jesus, Jesus' ancestor. And because of that, Jesus can claim the right to be king. And Jesus isn't just any king. He's a king that can change all of our lives because he's the king that rules over the whole universe. See, God wanted Jesus to become king because he rules us. He can rule over Joseph and Mary and also over us. God sent Jesus to change our lives, and he sends Jesus to change our lives with grace. Now, grace is getting something uh, you don't deserve. So this Christmas, uh, you all are going to give each other grace as you give each other presents. Now, maybe in your family you have a system where if you're good for the year, you know, you get a certain amount of gifts. Not in my family. It's okay. Um, but grace is this idea of receiving something that is just given to you freely. Now, the, the verse here talks about Jesus extending grace to his people. Now, the angel says, you'll name him Jesus because Jesus will save his people from their sins. The, the name Jesus itself is a Greek name. But it actually doesn't originate in kind of the Greek culture. It originates from the Hebrew name Yeshua. Maybe some of you have heard that Hebrew name Yeshua. And Yeshua is actually what we call a compound word. It's like two words put into one, like butterfly. Uh, it's not a fly and butter. It's a butterfly. And uh, the, Yeshua comes from the two Hebrew words Yasha, which means to save, and Yahweh which is the name of God in the Old Testament. And so Yeshua means Yahweh is salvation, or Yahweh saves. So when the messenger of God, the angel, says, you're going to name this child Yeshua, he's saying the very salvation of God has come. 
the very hope of God. God has come to save you. What has he come to save you from? Your sins. This, this baby, this innocent baby boy that has not even been born, he's going to save all who trust in him from their sins. And as we go through the gospel of Matthew, you're going to learn about this story. I hope you'll come back so that you can learn each week about how just, just Jesus did that. The short uh, kind of story is that he lived a perfect life. Jesus never did anything wrong, and he always did the right thing. He would have gotten a lot of gifts from Santa. But he went through life, and he never committed one sin. And then he went to the cross as a sacrifice. In the Hebrew culture, uh, in, the, in the, the religion, they would sacrifice lambs and, and doves and oxen uh, to God as a way to thank him, but also as a way to uh, you know, pay for the mistakes they had made throughout the year. And Jesus it becomes that spotless lamb, that sacrifice that then is sacrificed on the cross. For the sins of all who would put their faith in Christ. And then three days later on Easter, Jesus rose again from the grave in, in victory over sin and over death, over our sin and over our deaths. And now Jesus ascended into heaven and he's seated on that throne, that throne of David forever, ruling right now spiritually over everyone and everything. And he says, if you put your faith in me, I will pay for your sins in full on that cross. Your sins will be wiped away. God will look on you and he will see an innocent lamb. That's the gospel. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. And God offers you this gift freely this Christmas. He says, if you put your faith in me, if you put your faith in my son, Christ Jesus, I will wipe away all of your sins. All you need to do is repent and follow Christ. Put your faith in him. See, Jesus came to change our lives with grace. Have you ever had someone change your life with grace? Two quick examples from my own life. I had my youth pastor, Doug Baker. Uh, he changed my life with grace. Now, I was a teenage boy who rebelled and did things he shouldn't have done. And I kind of got myself into to sin and just a pattern of sin when I was in my teenage years. And finally, the Holy Spirit convicted me so much that I needed someone to tell. And so I went to my youth pastor, and he provided a safe space for me to talk about my sins and my mistakes. And he helped me confess to God and to my parents and come clean. But he did that because he extended love to me. Not judgmentally, but just to come, let's talk. And then another example of grace in my life more recently is my wife, Monica. She has changed me with her grace. Uh, before we were married, I lived a very kind of black and white life. I worked in D.C. for a year, and when I was there, I felt like I had to use every moment of my, my existence to justify myself. And so, like, in my free time, I would write a book. I wouldn't really relax. I would uh, spend time trying to justify who I am as a per person so that if I died, I could say that was why I was here. And then I met Monica, who said, I'm just going to love you for who you are. You don't have to prove yourself to me. And so now I can relax a little bit. It's okay to watch Netflix. It's okay to watch Star Wars. <laughs> and you know what? This helps me love God. Because now, as I approach God, I don't approach him trying to justify myself, to say, God, here's how I spent my day. Aren't you pleased? 
I don't have to approach God like a religious person uh, having done a whole bunch of good things. I can just approach God in love. God gave me those people as an example of grace in my life, and I know that God has given each one of you someone in your life that is an example of his grace. Jesus came to change our lives with grace. So who is Jesus? That's, the, that's kind of the big question. Well, Jesus is the God who came to change our lives with grace. Verse 22 and 23 say this, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus is the God who came to change our lives with grace. How does Jesus have the power? It's because he is God. I know that's sort of confusing that Jesus is the son of God and also God at the same moment. But Jesus, if you look in this verse, he, he fulfills an Old Testament prophecy that is talking about God coming and being with his people. So there was this prophet named Isaiah who lived about 700 years before Jesus' birth. And he lived during the time of, of King Ahaz, who was one of those descendants of King David. And King Ahaz uh, had a kind of a rough period of history where all the nations around him, Babylon, Assyria, Egypt, they were warring against each other. And so he was tempted, who am I going to put my trust in? Am I going to put my trust in one of those uh, you know, foreign nations, pick a straw and hope you choose the right global superpower? Or are you going to trust in God? And Isaiah's message, the prophet Isaiah's message was, don't trust in yourself. Trust in God. Don't trust in those superpowers. Trust in God. Because God is with us. He'll give you a sign, Emmanuel, God with us. A virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And see, Isaiah was, uh, was preaching this message to Ahaz, but Ahaz didn't hear it because he was afraid. He was afraid that if he didn't do things his way, well, he would lose his kingdom. It's interesting how that works sometimes. You hold on to what you so dearly want, and that causes you to lose it. Well, that's exactly what happened to King Ahaz. He tried to hold on to his kingdom his way, and he lost it. God doesn't want us to make this same mistake. Are you going to cling to your desires and your wants, or are you going to let God come and change you through Christ? Jesus has the power to change us for the better because he's God. If Jesus is God, he can do anything. He can work a miracle of change in your life. Now, sometimes it's hard to think about the ways that we can change, so I tried to come up with five ways that Jesus can change you, just practically in your own life. First, he can change your family, your family life. Now, I think we clearly see an example of this in the New Testament and in Joseph and Mary's story as they are changed. But it's kind of hard to imagine how he could change our lives today. Well, he can change your family life. Jesus came as the most humble of examples, the most loving of examples, loving others above himself, considering others as more important than himself. If you brought that spirit into your family, how might that change those around you, your significant other, your parents, your your boyfriend, your girlfriend. Jesus can change your work life. Uh, if you read through the rest of the New Testament, it's cool because God talks about how you can bring God glory and praise no matter what you're doing. 
You can, in your career, it doesn't matter if you deliver trash or you're a stock trader or an investment bank, it, it doesn't matter. Because if you do it for the Lord, you can bring God glory there. You can find ultimate meaning no matter how meaningless your job sometimes feels. God can change your work life. He can change the way you think. Maybe you're someone who struggles with anger or depression or sadness or anxiety or, or fear. Jesus can change those things about you. As we, as we focus on him and remember how much God loves us, he can help, uh, help us grow and help us uh, become steadier people. He can change the way you see yourself. This is an interesting one uh, because some of us are very hard on ourselves and some of us aren't, very, aren't willing to self-examine at all. But when you realize the God of the universe sent his son to pay the penalty for your sins because he loves you so much, when you, when you truly like bask in that love, it gives you the courage to self-examine because you can say, wow, I am loved that much. And if you are incredibly hard on yourself, well, remember, you have the love of the creator of the universe. Stop being so hard on yourself. And number five, he can change your eternal home. I do believe in a, in a real hell. And I believe that everyone, depending on how, who they put their faith in, Christ or themselves, goes to either heaven or hell. And the biggest, one of the biggest benefits, all those other ones were kind of for today, but this one's for tomorrow. Jesus can give you eternal life. He can change your eternal home so that you go through this life knowing that your, your eternity is secure. Now, unlike as seen on TV, uh, these changes don't take place instantaneously. Some of them may, if you come to know Christ and uh, commit your ways to him, some of them may change, change right away. But I think Jesus is more interested in a lifetime of change as he walks through life with you, producing this good fruit, these good life-changing moments. This journey can begin today, your faith journey, just like John Rawls shared, your faith journey can begin tonight. Jesus is a life changer. Verse 24 and 25 say this, When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Joseph was willing to see how Jesus could change his life. He did three things. First, he believed. Second, he obeyed. And third, he was changed. First, he believes. He, 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 he wakes up and he does what the angel commands because cognitively he says, okay, I'm going to trust God. And notice how his belief results in obedience. He names the child Jesus. He marries Mary. And third, he is changed. Joseph, uh, if he had walked out, he would have missed the opportunity to be the adopted father of the king of kings, of the Lord of the universe. Joseph, for all eternity, gets to say, Jesus is also my son. That's pretty cool. Jesus is a life changer. I want to invite Andy up to play for us as uh, I close us out.
And I want to give you the opportunity to begin to have your life changed by this grace that I'm talking about, by this Jesus who I claim to follow and many people here claim to follow as well. I truly believe that Jesus is a life changer and that if we give him the opportunity to come into our lives, he will do just that. Like Joseph, I want you to have the opportunity to believe, to obey, and to be changed. And that faith journey, that story, uh, can begin with a simple, what we like to call the prayer of salvation. Maybe you have heard of this concept. Now, the prayer of salvation, I'm going to pray through it, and I'm going to pause so that if you want to pray along quietly in your own heart, you can. Uh, But if you're not ready to commit your life to Christ yet, you can just listen to the words and think about them and consider if they're for you. In this prayer, we do three, three things. We repent of our sins, we believe in Jesus Christ, and we begin the journey of following him. So why don't you bow your heads with me, and if you're ready to receive the Lord, just pray along with me. Father God, thank you for giving me hope today. I come before you confessing I have a disobedient heart. I know I'm more sinful than I can ever imagine. But I know you love me more than I can ever understand. I believe you sent your son Jesus to live an innocent life. I believe Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sins. I believe he rose again three days later so I can have eternal life. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for taking my sins and giving me your spotless record. Thank you for forgiving me and giving me a new start in you. I want to follow and obey you, Jesus, for the rest of my days. I can only do this as your Holy Spirit helps me in this journey. Thank you for changing me as we go through life together. I love you, Jesus.